My initial reaction when I was given Psalm 16 was to fall into translation consultant mode. This meant I had to ask questions of the text before the looking at the translation I was checking to see if it fairly represented the meaning of the original Hebrew. Lots of questions sprung to mind. What crisis did the writer, probably David, find himself in when he wrote this? What is the relationship between verses 3 and 4? Does verse 3 refer to the holy people in the land or to false gods worship there? What did David mean when he spoke the words in verse 10? Did he have life after death in mind or not? How does the New Testament interpret the psalm? Then I realised that none of this was relevant in the context of this devotion. What David is actually saying in this psalm is that God is everything to me, or to put it a different way, God is the one around whom my life revolves. He is by my side. I am satisfied with him. All that is said is based on his petition for God to keep him safe in verse 1 and his assertion that God is his refuge, the one he trusts to keep him from harm. He may be asking for help in a crisis or he may be asserting his confidence in God for continued protection as a result of his deliverance from a recent situation. Both are important. We all experience extreme circumstances. I know when one of my friends in Mozambique is struggling with something because he always says, God is good. Recently, Ian and I have been faced with a difficult set of circumstances where one problem seemed to pile on top of another. It came to a head when something happened which we'd not anticipated and this was transmitted to us in a way which shocked us and made us angry and upset. There really was only one course of action, which was to ask God for help and deliverance. The issue is now resolved, and our testimony can be summarised in the verse of a song that we use in church. All my life you have been faithful, and all my life you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. So how does the psalmist say that God is everything? First in verse 2 he says you are my Lord, my master. Apart from you I have no good thing. Recognising this he also recognises that he must love the people of God who for all their faults are noble whilst those who follow other gods are fools. More of that later. David is also grateful that the boundary lines have fallen for him in pleasant places. He's able to be grateful, as should, as should I, that God intended people to enjoy the good things in life. For the psalmist, this was his inheritance as a member of one of the twelve tribes of Israel, each of which had been allotted a portion of land, and thus each family had their own lot. Am I grateful enough for what I have? recognising that the beauty of God's creation, a house and a family, are God's inheritance to me. Is there something I'm not grateful enough for? May we always be able to see how God is good to us, and when one or all of those things are removed from us, may we find that God is truly our everything. Since God is everything to David, he proves to be a wise guide in all circumstances. He is a stabilising influence. 
He writes, I will praise the Lord, Yahweh, who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I wonder if that's why I often wake in the morning with a hymn or worship song going round in my head. Maybe something I've not sung since childhood. God is David's security. In verse 8 he says, I shall not be shaken. And in verse 10, my body will rest secure. Why? Because he is affirming that he believes that on this particular occasion, God will not or has not allowed him to die. And for this reason, he expresses joy in God's presence with him here on earth. He is saying that he will always keep his eye on Yahweh. Yahweh is always at his right hand here on earth because Yahweh is his everything. In Acts 2 and 13, this is interpreted as a life with God for eternity in light of the resurrection of Jesus. Thus, Peter in his sermon on the day of Pentecost quotes our passage to make these words prophesy that Jesus, the Holy One, would be seated at God's right hand and for him, and consequently for us, death is defeated. Jesus did not stay dead, and for that I will literally be eternally grateful. So what about verse 4, where David says, The sorrow of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood, or take up their names on my lips. The Israelite people were always tempted to hedge their bets. They expressed allegiance to Yahweh but adopted some of the customs of the Canaanite gods who were worshipped by those who lived in the promised land before them. How does that apply to me? I don't think that I've mixed my beliefs with those of another faith, although I'm aware of the danger of that happening with the diverse ideas of spirituality independent of God in society today. However, living in Africa has shown me the danger that hanging on to customs and reinterpreting them in the light of the Bible can also be a kind of idolatry. In Zambia, I heard the preacher, a man, use the Bible to indicate that a man with two wives has every right to show favouritism to the wife who treats him better. And he had proceeded to explain what kind of thing he would appreciate from his two wives. This is also a kind of syncretism, a mixing of the old culture and Christian thought. When asked to comment on the sermon before the service ended, I'm afraid to say I bottled it and declined. I still had another week to work with the group that had invited me. Now I can see in others how they've merged custom and the truth. What I'm now battling with is how to see what I am doing, which compromises my faith by diluting or overriding the truth of scripture with contemporary thinking. This is easy to do in a society which has largely rejected objective truth in favour of my truth. One consequence is that of this is that sometimes ideas that disagree with mine are rendered unsatisfactory and those that hold them may be rejected or even cancelled. Is this happening in my life? Perhaps this is another thing for the Holy Spirit to reveal to me at night. So overall, what I receive from this psalm is an affirmation that one should, as one scholar translates Deuteronomy 6.5, give yourself to Yahweh with your whole mind, your whole person, your whole might. At the same time, 
My prayer is that we should enjoy a full life here in the bodies God has given us and in the world that God has created.